Hello, welcome back to another episode of Repros for Iowa. I am your host, Micah Doolin, and my pronouns are they, them, she. Um, Happy Saturday. Um, I am doing much better this week. I feel so much better um, as opposed to last week. Last week, I was in a very depressive state. Um, I was um, crying a lot and just feeling very down, um, very sad. Um, I had a lot of thoughts of wanting to hurt myself, and this week I'm just feeling so much better. Um, I went to visit my sister and my mother, and it was it was nice. It was a nice little getaway, and it was exactly what I needed, um, which was to be a lo- around loved ones. And um, I'm feeling so much better this week. Um, I was able to make it through my whole work week and do all the other things that I needed to do. Um, I have still been sleeping a lot, but that's okay. I'm just trying to take it easy this week. Um, And um, yeah, it's just, it's been going a lot better. Um, My spirits have definitely been lifted a little bit. Um, I'm still plugging away on my sobriety. I'm over 190 days sober. Um, So I'm really excited. Um, I should be coming up on my seven months here in a few weeks, and I'm just really happy. Um, I started with my new therapist um, this week, and she asked me to start going twice a week. Um, So I did that two times this week, and um, she's been really awesome so far. It's amazing to see the difference between a therapist that um, doesn't really work with what you have versus what you do have. And, um, I'm really excited to work with her, um, for the, you know, the upcoming few weeks that I have. Um, and it'll be great. I think it'll be nice to sort of make some changes in my life and work on the things that I need to work with or work on the things that I need to work on. I think it'll be great. Um, yeah, I don't really have much else going on. I'm just trying to, um, do a lot of self-care, um, right now, um, just because I, of what happened last week. Um, I'm just trying to take it easy and, um, trying to act with a lot of self-compassion lately, um, and trying to not be anxious about, um, I have some upcoming life stuff happening in February, Um, and I am just trying to, um, to not, I don't know, I, I, I'm just trying not to work myself up about it, and I'm just trying to, um, try to, try to stay in the present because I can't really do anything to change what's going to be happening, um, and it's kind of personal, so I don't really want to talk about it too much, um. But yeah, I just, I'm trying to stay focused and I'm trying to keep plugging away with my life as much as I possibly can. Um, but yeah, that's, that's really it. I, um, I'm hoping to go see the movie Sing 2 this weekend with Tyler. I think it'll be really fun. We, I love kids movies um and we cracked up at the trailer when we went to go see a different movie um so we're gonna go see sing too and i think it'll be really good um and hopefully we'll you know we'll wear our masks because we do know that the omicron um, omicron variant is rapidly spreading right now so we'll try to maintain like extra protection if we possibly can but i'm pretty excited to go see that 
Um, I don't know what else is going on. Um, oh, I found out that I did not get the job that I applied for, but they asked me to reapply in the future. So I'm going to probably do that in maybe a three or four more months. I might try and reapply. Um, I just, I'm starting to think it might not be the right time um, since I do have some life events happening here in the near future. Um, but I'm not, I'm not going to give up. I, I want to work in that department, so I'm going to, going to try again in the future. Um, but yeah, I, um, yeah, it's just been a much better week this week. And I think, um, with a little help, um, and a little self-care, things will start to, to look up. Um, so that's it really on my end of things. Um, this interview I did with Elizabeth Eek. Um, so she just wanted to come on and share her story. I reached out to her um, because uh, I had connected with her through a, a rally that we hosted last year um, that she was going to speak at. Um, and she it is not really an abortion story, um, but it is a story that relates to abortion and being pregnant and not knowing if you need an abortion or not and the ways that um, these harmful laws can really limit um, people's um, health care. Um, so it's a, it's a really great story and I hope we learn a lot from it. Um, because when you limit, try to limit people's health care, you just put um, more pressure on them and you just really, um, you just really harm them more. And it's very, it's very saddening to see, um, especially when you are in a dire situation and you're struggling to like make a decision of what you need to do to make sure that you have a healthy baby. Um, because that's part of reproductive justice, right? Like you want to make sure that you're having a healthy baby. Like that's, that's one of the fundamental tenets of reproductive justice. And so, um, when you have these things like six week abortion bans, um, when you don't even know you're pregnant until you're almost six weeks, um, that's not, um, that's not in line with what reproductive justice is. And you're not, you're not able to make sure that you can have a healthy baby. Um, so her story is really special. Um, and, um, yeah, I hope you guys learn a lot from it. And I just want to say that I did forget to ask her to introduce herself in the interview. Um, but her name is Elizabeth. Um, she's a local and, um, it was a, it's a really great interview and I hope you all learn a lot. Um, yeah, have a happy Saturday and I will see you next time. Um, yeah, so do you want to go ahead and tell us about your story? Sure. Okay, so, um, okay, we'll go all the way back. So we had one child at the time, and we were thinking maybe we wanted another one. We weren't totally sure. Um, I knew that with the first one, we got pregnant really, really quickly after ending birth control. So we kind of knew to be very careful with birth control potentially. So I think what we think happened was I missed two pills in a row um, is what we think happened. And um, it was like March and I had thought to myself, you know, I haven't had a period in a while. I can't remember the last time I had one. 
So I just took a test at work just to basically make myself feel better. And it came back super positive, super quickly. So I was like, oh, okay, well, there's that. So um, because we didn't know, like when we had no idea when we had conceived, um, the doctor basically said, okay, well, let's wait four weeks before we even have you come in to confirm that you're pregnant. So I guess if you just imagine a lot of people don't even know they're pregnant for the first six weeks. And then the routine from the doctor's offices is, well, you have a pregnancy, a positive pregnancy test. Let's wait four weeks after that. You're looking at most people not even coming in until they're 10 weeks along, right? Since that's their routine. Um, and so for us, when we came in, that's basically what happened was we came in um, four weeks later for a confirmation ultrasound and we were 10 weeks along. So we were like, okay, wow. So I guess probably you're pretty standard as people don't know until they're about six weeks. The doctor's office has to wait. We were 10 weeks along by that point. And they started just doing some routine measurements of the fetus. Um, and there's not a lot there at 10 weeks. So they started doing some routine measurements and they found that the nuchal fluid was really, really high. And when you have a really high nuchal fluid, which I learned via Google after this appointment, it's almost always bad news. So they didn't tell us that in the room. They basically just took us into, you know, an office to talk to the nurse and they were like, okay, we're going to um, we got this, these indicators, here's, you know, the image of your scan, and um, we're going to do all these tests. And I'm like, okay, well, what are the, what are the chances? What does any of this mean? And so they bring the doctor in and the doctor basically draws out a map for us and draws out a bunch of boxes. And he says that there's about five different outcomes and they're all about equal probability. So he says, one of the outcomes is that you have a baby that um, has Down syndrome because a lot of those babies have um, a high nuchal fluid. And then he said, the other one is um, that you would have a Down syndrome with a heart defect. Um, you would have just a heart defect or there's some unknown genetic thing. We have no idea what it is. The pregnancy will terminate on its own. We don't have the capabilities to figure out what it is. The pregnancy will just terminate. Or there's a, a chance, a fifth of a chance there that we'll never know why the nuchal fluid was high, but the pregnancy will progress and there won't be any known reason for why. So like genetically, the baby will come back as no abnormalities, none of that. So um, we basically had to kick it into high gear because if we were going to need to have to terminate, it was 10 weeks. We had about a week to get test results back. And if we did not want a DNC, because those are a little bit more intense, I live in Cedar Rapids. I would have had to drive to Iowa city for my closest DNC. What is a DNC? Oh, um, a dilation. And I forget what the C stands for, but they need to go in to terminate the pregnancy. They can't just give you a pill and you okay. pass the pregnancy. So once you hit 12 weeks, you have to actually go in someplace and they'll like dilate your cervix. Um, so we were kind of rushed. So we didn't even know if insurance was going to cover these tests, but we were like, well, let's just get them going. Cause we only have two weeks. 
So we did this um, blood test that I think when I looked online, it was like $3,000 for this blood test. Um, if your insurance doesn't cover it. Okay. Um, yes, yeah, so it was $3,000. And that was just, um, it was a blood test. So we did that. And like that whole week, like I had to basically like survive just, you know, life. And um, that first blood test did come back as they, they did not detect any, any abnormalities in that blood test. Um, there were still chances that there could be something else going on, but um, basically any kind of genetic abnormalities at that point were pretty low. But so then they were basically on the thought of, okay, either there's a heart defect or the pregnancy is going to terminate for a reason we don't know, just because they can't detect everything. The blood tests don't screen for every single thing that could be going on. It's just the most common ones. Um, so basically then we just had to sit and wait until the fetus was big enough to do a fetal echocardiogram. And those are at least another three grand each for the, each fetal echocardiogram. So in my case, my insurance covered all lab work period, 100%. So my blood work was covered, but I would guess a lot of people that $3,000 blood test is not covered um, or not covered completely. So we got those results back and then we had to wait till I was 18 weeks along before we could even get in to see the, for the fetal echocardiogram, before we could even get into that because um, the baby's structures were just too small at that point to even see anything. So again, it was like 18 weeks along. And if you're going to have to end the pregnancy, it's going to be a big deal at that point. Um, like, like just biologically or body wise. So we went in for that. And, um, since basically what they said was that the heart's going to keep developing this whole pregnancy. So just because we don't see something at 18 weeks, doesn't mean something's not potentially going to happen later on. So then they brought us back at about 22, 23 weeks, which is after that, you know, whole 20 week magic period that some states and some politicians seem to think is, you know, oh, 20 weeks is late term or whatever. But we didn't even know if we had a healthy heart at 20 weeks. So at like those 22, 23 weeks, and it was another fetal echocardiogram, so at this point, it's like 10 grand of money that probably most people don't have put into this pregnancy that wasn't even necessarily really planned, you know, 10 grand into that already. And um, so that one came back, they both came back as everything looked to be developing within what he thought would be a healthy functioning heart. So he, at that point, he was like, okay, well, this is as much as we can monitor because as, you know, your pregnancy grows, as the fetus grows bigger, we're not going to be able to really do any more tests on your pregnancy. So he was basically like, so when the baby's born, we'll do one final echocardiogram and then we'll know for sure that the heart is okay. Um, so during all of this, was about when Iowa had passed their heartbeat law. And so that was the point in between there where we didn't even know, 
we were just basically sitting in a pregnancy waiting to find out, is this heart even going to be, is this even going to, you know, is the heart even okay? Is it even viable? Because like they could hear and detect, you know, the beating when they did the monitors, but that doesn't mean anything, you know, the, the heart rate that looks good. It mean that really doesn't mean anything because there could be a defect in there where the baby's heart's going to pump just perfectly fine. But the second they're born, they're basically going to suffocate. So there's a lot of reasons why a heartbeat alone is not an indicator of a healthy heart. Um, so yeah, I would pass that ban and I'm just sitting here with a pregnancy that an expensive pregnancy so far that we don't even know, am I going to need an abortion? And I was saying, you too bad, you can't get one. And so I was basically doing the whole, okay, well, I guess I was basically doing the research of where am I going to go? Like, where, where am I going to go? The most obvious thing was Minnesota, but I'm also looking at, well, I'm in Cedar Rapids. What if I need something immediate right now? What's the fastest way to get out of state also? Because we're not right by a border. So it's like, what if something goes bad and I need to terminate right away? I'm looking at, okay, is, is there one outside in the quad cities? Like, where's my fastest route to go? And um, so I actually called my OB office and I was like, this is going on in the legislature. If I need an emergency life-saving abortion, are you going to do it? And they were like, well, you know, we don't do abortions. And I'm like, okay, I understand but I'm pregnant. If something happens to me and I need one to save my life, are you going to do it? And they assured me that, you know, no matter what we would, you know, we would save the life of the birthing person. Um, but at the same time, you're kind of like, but would you like, these are doctors who are like in their forties who have never lived in a world without Roe. So it's like, you say, you know, you would, save the life of a birthing person if they needed it, but you've never had to make that choice. So do you know you would make that choice? You know, it was a very unsafe situation to be in, to feel in. And then um, I had another acquaintance who was also pregnant and they had called their doctor about the same thing. And their doctor had told them, I don't know what we'll do. So it was a very short time period, but you know, it wasn't like the Texas situation where you have all this long time where this is, you know, going on, but it was long enough where people are starting to plan your out of state plan, which again, who all can afford to go out of state? Like, what do you do? Then you're going to have to get like, what are you going to get a hotel? Like, they're not going to let you stay at like the Ronald McDonald house because you needed an abortion out of state, you know? Um, and one thing that was that people kept saying, well, it's obviously going to get struck down. It's obviously going to get struck down. And I just kept saying, I don't know if it is like, we don't know if it is. I was trying to make this, I was trying to make this not, not be a thing. Like they're not doing this just for showboating. They really want to destroy Roe. And so, so it was so many people, it was almost gaslighting how so many people would say, well, you're fine. You're fine. Nothing's going to happen. You know, you're fine. They're going to, it's obviously going to be struck down by the Supreme court. And I think, I think that was unhelpful for people because that was like three and a half years ago. And we're right back here where it did happen. It really did happen. And I'm just like, 
maybe people should have taken it seriously, you know, back then. Um, so, so we did have her, she was fine, but there were a lot of just barely squeaking through there. Like, luckily the Iowa Supreme Court at that point, you know, said you can't do that. Luckily, you know, she was in that 20% that there was nothing that they could find wrong at the time. Like maybe she does have something wrong and we just don't know about it yet, but she at least made it, you know, to age three with no detectable things that were coming up. So there was a lot of, you know, what ifs in there. That was a lot of scrambling. So. Well, I'm glad everything worked out. Um, You know, you probably, you know, there are a lot of stories where these things don't work out. Um, So you're very lucky. And thank you for sharing that with me. Um, You didn't have an abortion, but there are times where you were worried um, that your child wouldn't make it. Um, I can't imagine for the uh, the same things that are happening in Texas right now, a lot of people must be very scared. Um, Say, yeah, yeah, um, that's heartbreaking to think about. Um, Why do you think abortion should remain protected by Roe v. Wade? Why do you think that we should be fighting here in Iowa um, for making sure that they don't pass, you know, six-week bans and um, yeah, <laughs> sorry, that question was a little. <laughs> I mean, no, it's okay. I mean, there's a lot of people who can be a lot more eloquent than I am on these kinds of reasons and to why. But if I'm just an example of what the standard practice of care is, you know, like I didn't even, as somebody on birth control, I didn't even realize that I was pregnant until six weeks. I didn't even realize that I was pregnant until six weeks. And my, my OB office did not even bring me in until four weeks later. So if that is the standard of pregnancy care for people, people aren't going to be actually having a confirmed pregnancy until like 10 weeks along or even later, which is well beyond that six week time period. Like if they are going to end row and stop abortions after six weeks, I mean, people are going to have to start pregnancy testing, what, weekly? You're going to have to completely revamp how OBs are caring for people who become pregnant because you're gonna to have to bring people in basically immediately for a confirmation ultrasound. That's probably gonna drive up the cost of healthcare if you every single pregnancy you know you have you're bringing people in at immediately when they come from a pregnancy you know that's going to probably have results in more ultrasounds more costs that's going to drive back the cost it's going to drive up everybody's healthcare costs because unfortunately in this country we don't have any kind of you know, affordable healthcare or universal healthcare or anything um and then you know, at the end of the day, whatever was, was or was not going to be an issue for my child, I'm the parent, right? Like, if she was going to suffer, who's, who is it their choice for my child to suffer? Like, if she was going to be born only to suffocate immediately due to 
some terrible heart birth defect, why is that their choice to cause my child to suffer? Like we have, my husband works in hospice and people make decisions every day to die peacefully on their own terms. If this is, if, if people believe that conception, if that life begins at conception and you have this, then you have this baby in you, then that means that I'm immediately his parent and I should get to make these decisions to keep my child safe and healthy. So, um, and then on, I guess on top of all of that, like it's more than somebody wanting to be a parent. Like I know Amy Coney Barrett was making comments about, well, adoption saves it all. Well, I paid $10,000 just to see if this was going to be a viable pregnancy that lasted well beyond 20 weeks. And, um, you know, it's, it's not only about the adoption, you know, there's tons of costs along the whole way. It's a major thing that your body goes through. Um, like, I don't know how many people have given birth and then still have like pelvic floor issues for like decades later, like it affects your body for so much longer after. So I, there's just so many issues that I just, yeah, (laughs) there's so many reasons there. Yeah. Thank you for explaining that. Um, you said it, you're not the urge. It can be more eloquently worded, but I think it's important that we're actually hearing from people that these issues affect more than just like our elected officials anyway. So yeah. Um, say somebody is in the same position you are in, what would you say to them? Uh, Would you have any advice? So I have actually, um, I posted a lot about it as it was happening on social media. And I have actually had a handful of people reach out to me since I have had, since I posted about it. So within the last three years, I've had a handful of people reach out to me who are actually facing the similar or exact same thing. And that's kind of a, like if about five people, and that's kind of a lot of other people in one person's very small social circle to have this happen, this kind of thing happen where they get pregnant with a wanted pregnancy and there's bad thing, bad markers, whatever, and they have to go through all this. So it's more common than you would think. And when I was talking about it, I had older people who had adult children reaching out to me saying, yeah, I had all these similar problems too. So I think this kind of thing is actually a lot more common and people just don't talk about it. Um, So when people have reached out to me, um, I guess basically what I have just tried to do is just try to support them just try to um, reiterate what happened to me. And um, I guess just tell them that I support them, whatever choice they make. If you choose to have an abortion, you are supported. That's a good decision for you. If you choose that you want to take things on as you go, that's a good decision for you. And one thing I do try to remind people of is that as you go along further in your pregnancy, the abortion is going to become more expensive, more difficult, et cetera, especially to people who are in Iowa. So 
un unfortunately, a lot of those tests, if you can get them done, get them done soon. And we're in a sad state of medical healthcare in this country where a lot of people have to do what I did and just say, yeah, give me the $3,000 blood test. I, I don't have time to wait to see if my insurance covers it. That's crazy. Um, I think that, I think that's something that has, I mean, I'm 36. So a lot of the women and people who are telling me about their pregnancies, um, who were much older had never spoken to anybody else about all the losses that they went through and all the struggles that they went through. And the amount of people who reached out to me, some of them had told me that, you know, I had, I had to have an abortion and now I feel terrible about it. Like I feel guilty. I've never told anybody else that I've had this, that I had this happen to me. And I also had to have an abortion. And I think people just need to know that you're not alone. Like so many people go through this. So many people have gone through this. So many people have had an abortion. So many people have had to even think about getting an abortion and you're not alone. You're not a bad person. And there's so many people out there who try to make, who try to make me out to be a bad person that I had known for, you know, decades or more just because I was giving voice to the situation, just saying, Hey, you know what? You know me, I'm not terrible. And I, I was going, I was ready to get an abortion if I needed to. And anybody who tells you that you're terrible, you're not terrible. You're not a terrible person. People should not feel guilty for having an abortion. People should not feel like you need to hide having an abortion. It is valid healthcare that people need. It's valid reproductive healthcare that people need. And you're not bad. You're not alone. You know, whatever, whatever you needed to do in that time that you did was the right thing for you to do. If you needed an abortion because you were in a scary relationship. You're not a bad person. You're not alone. That was valid and a good choice for you. And I think that people just need to know that, you know, you don't have to have guilt for this. You know, you're supported. There's people out there who have been there and we care and we know, and we understand. Um, what do you think are good ways that listeners could get involved to fight for abortion rights? <sighs> Gosh, sorry, it's a loaded question. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't really even know how people want to get, how people get involved with the fight, to be honest with you. Like, I just go out there and I just tell people my story, which to be fair, that's not even fair to do. Like, people should not have to go out and you know, relive your trauma over and over and over again, just so that way someone's like, oh, maybe, maybe I, you know, maybe I'll change my mind. Um, you know, I guess that I would probably just follow Planned Parenthood, you know, go out there and be heard, be seen, you know. Um, I, I have, I have had people who, were against abortion, come back and tell me, yeah, your story did help me. Your story did help me realize that I was wrong. 
Um, so I don't know, maybe if you, if you have people close to you that you feel might be open to a conversation and it's not going to be harmful to you yourself to have the conversation about your abortion, you could be open and have that conversation. But I also understand that there's a lot of people out there who are terrible because it was, it was terrible for me when I first started talking about it because people I thought cared about me were terrible to me. So I can also understand how people need to be quiet and need to be secret about it because people need to be okay too. You know, people need to exist. So 